Hi, my name is Brooke Bartz. I want to say thank you for joining me. This is the Open Hearts Podcast. Wherever you're listening from, hopping in the van to take your kids to school, grabbing that last cup of coffee as you head out the door, curled up on the couch with the sun flooding through the morning window, or maybe you're sick and debilitated resting in your bed or walking in a trial that feels like it is consuming your world. Well, I want you to know something right now, that we are here as women together, as a community of women, of like-minded believers, listening together all across the world. I want to say thank you. I am so glad that you are tuning in and I know you will be encouraged to be a woman set apart to the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Hi, Open Hearts gals. This is Brooke Bartz from the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me today. I am thrilled about this interview that I'm doing with these two women who host this amazing godly podcast for discipling, mentoring women, teaching them through the biblical application of a Titus II woman by following scripture and teaching women. So I can't wait to introduce you to them and get started with this episode. But before I start, I have some exciting news. I will be joining the Bar Network. It is the Biblical and Reformed Network. And right now it is host to the number one Christian podcast in the nation, which is the Just Thinking Podcast. And this podcast is hosted by the Dean of Social Media of Grace to You, which is a ministry of the beloved pastor, John MacArthur, well-known worldwide. And it is also hosted by Virgil Walker, who is an amazingly gifted pastor, speaker, teacher. So that is a Just Thinking podcast. It is on the network, the Bar Network. Um, The Bar Network was founded by Dwayne Atkinson, and he also has a podcast on there called The Bar Podcast. This network is full of amazingly godly teachers, podcast hosts, and I am thrilled to be a part of this network. So go subscribe now to all of the people that have podcasts on there. And that's where the Open Hearts in a Pod, Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast will be from now on. So I am excited about that opportunity. And that actually leads me to my next point. Um, the guest that I have on my podcast which is Kimberly Cummings and Dr. Shelby Cullen. And their podcast is out of the Master's University called The Women's Hope. And the Master's University is also a ministry. It is the university that Pastor John MacArthur also started, a college university. So I am so excited to have these ladies here. So without further ado, I would like to... um, to open up with saying hello to Dr. Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. So welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you so much for being here with me. We're really excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Very gracious of you. Yes. I also want to say that it's exciting because you have also joined the Bar Network and your ministry has really been such an encouragement to my heart and my soul. And so I'm excited to be on there with you. Um, I love how you hold the word of God up accurately and you desire to teach women truth um, in discipleship with the word of God alone and then helping them to spur them on in that godliness as you teach them through truth, through the word of God. So I am just really thrilled that you're both here. Can you tell me a little bit about yourselves, your background and um, just some just some things that the ladies out there can know about you and your podcast and your ministries. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, for me, even though I've lived out in California for the last, uh, say, 36 years, I'm actually originally from New Mexico. I was born and reared in Albuquerque um, and uh, moved out here in my young 20s where I got married. And my husband and I, my husband, Sean, and I, have been married uh, just a few months shy of 35 years. And so uh, we make Burbank, California our home and we've uh, managed to raise uh, four great kids. Uh, We have four adult children, three of whom who are married. And so we're just really blessed with three in-law children. All of my family lives in California. So we spend a lot of time together. And this year, uh, Sean and I have gotten into the season of grandparenting. So our first grandchild was born in August, and then we have a second one um, coming in December. So we're super excited about that. 
but I've been involved with women's ministry and uh, biblical counseling for at least the last uh, probably over 20 years now. I've been involved in that ministry for a long time and have worked here at the Master's University for the last 12 years, um, six of which I've been a professor here. Um, and my uh, focus is women's ministry and, and the discipline of biblical counseling. So that's a real joy to my heart. I get to enter act with women in the undergraduate population here and the graduate population. And so that's just a real thrill. Um, but yeah, I'm having a good time here out in California. <laughs> so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What's your story? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the condensed version. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So I am a Texan by birth. I was born in Grapevine before there was even a hospital. And actually the building that I was born in is actually a veterinarian clinic now. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was just the, the cattle and me back in the day. So that was a long time ago. Um, but I am a Texan by birth, but I have lived in California three separate times. So I always tell the Californians that that basically gives me native status yeah. um, because if anybody keeps coming back, there's, <laughs> you probably have lived here longer than a normal Californian has. So you don't find many natives yeah. in California. Just my kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So I am married to my best friend and my pastor. Um, his name is David. And we ministered together at Lake Hills Community Church uh, in Castaic, overlooking the lake. It's just a beautiful place uh, with beautiful people. Uh, we've been married 34 and a half years. We're right behind you mm -hmm. on, uh, on the 35-year train. Um, we have two beautiful adult children. I have one of each, a boy and a girl, and two precious in-loves that I'm very, very grateful for. Um, David and I have been in full-time ministry together for over 20 years. I've been involved in women's ministries for 25 years. So I, I am thankful for all of these things, but most importantly, who I am is just a redeemed child of God, adopted daughter. And, uh, and it is in that, that all of these things come, come to fruition, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, um, without that, you and I probably would have never met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I yeah. should mention that I, uh, we make our church home at Grace Community Church, uh, where John uh, MacArthur is pastor. I forgot to mention that, but okay. John and I, um, minister together in the missions area. Um, and that's his first love. He just loves missions. And, um, I do the biblical counseling and women's ministry. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is, it's great to know some things about you, Dr. Colin. Congratulations on your grandbabies. And oh, thank you. And Kimberly, <laughs> and Kimberly, all, all of your, all of your, your precious family. I'm glad to know um, some things about you. And Kimberly, I am in DFW. So I have been to Grapevine many, many times to the hospital there, but it wasn't to the veterinarian clinic. I've been to the youth, to now the hospital there that ho that has the ER clinic. I think my husband and I own one of the letters in emergency. <laughs> so we claim one of those letters. We have been there so many times. So wow. um, I'm very familiar with, with DFW. So that is a small world. And I'm thankful for both of your ministries, um, Dr. Cullen, for you at the Masters and Kimberly, as you lead women's ministry, obviously, as your husband is the pastor, and that is such a great privilege to women. So tell me about Women's Hope Podcast. What is Women's Hope Podcast? Sure. So Women's Hope is just a podcast that is sponsored by the Masters University. Uh, it is a ministry resource tool for women, um, just offering them hope and encouragement as they're going about their day. And we uh, use scripture as our foundation to help our women listeners grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it's that simple. And um, we desire to be a ministry tool that will encourage women in their call to disciple other women as God has commanded by fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, 
that's basically it in a nutshell. Just simple. Just two gals talking <laughs> on a microphone. <laughs> and having a good time. Yes, having a great time. Well, I want to give you a lot more credit to that. It is such a um, needed ministry. Um, mm-hmm. It is such a needed podcast, especially in today's world. Um, I know for me being younger to hear older godly women speak truth um, and it be accurately taught is not what our world sees. It has drifted so far from God's word and it is really just um, a hodgepodge of whatever emotions kind of women decide to talk about. And so um, I am thankful for um your love and passion to spur these women on and to hold them up and to teach them, correct them, train them, um, and love them, rebuke them with the word of God as you shepherd their hearts as you're commanded to. So, um, yeah. So why did you decide to do a podcast? That is, um, my next question that I wanted to ask, um, because you have this podcast, where did it come from? How did it start? Sure. So actually in 2016, I was approached by a a ministry that I had been doing some writing for and the ministry was Glory Books, a ministry which was a ministry of Dr. Greg Harris from the seminary. And uh, he had a website where women were doing some writing and I was one of their writers or bloggers. And, um, I had never even heard of podcast and someone asked from that ministry, actually it was Kim wine, if I wanted to do a podcast and immediately I said, what's a podcast? (laughs) So I really didn't, I didn't even know. Um, It wasn't in my sphere of thinking and in my, in my world. Uh, So anyway, Um, I had at the time two lovely co-hosts, Brandy and Kim Wine. We discussed topics and we reviewed books, talked to authors of books um, that were meaningful specifically to women. Um, And then that lasted about two and a half years and it was a really sweet time. Um, However, the podcast, even after we ended, just it remained out there and was still gaining traction, um, unbeknownst to me. And um, someone contacted me in 2000, at the end of, probably about the beginning of 2019, asking if I wanted to start that podcast again. So um, that really leads into how you and I met. (laughs) So it truly was, God's kindness and providence. That's really all I can say because a gentleman who runs a Christian website contacts me and says he would like to pick up the podcast. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I don't have a (laughs) co-host. And so we worked through that. He actually sent an email to ACBC and said that um, he was looking for a co-host for this podcast and asked if anyone was interested. And about a day later, I got an email from Shelby. (laughs) So the cool thing though about that is that- We knew each other. (laughs) We did. I didn't know she was looking for a co-host. And I (laughs) thought, oh, well, I am not worthy of Dr. Shelby. (laughs) I mean, I never even thought that you would even have time, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I knew her because I had taken a class on the very thing that we do our podcast on, on discipling women. Mm -hmm. And so it was just God's kindness and Mm -hmm. his working in a very, very unique way to bring this together. So we just constantly want to give him the glory for it. Yes. Yes. I, um, I think that it's amazing that on top of you both serving at church and, um, Dr. Cullen, you being, um, at the, the masters that you also do this podcast to serve women and to, um, you know, that takes time and you put your whole heart and soul into it for the glory of God. And that is so appreciated. And, um, and I'm thankful for both of you that, 
Um, you came that God brought you together divinely, sovereignly before time plan this. And what a time, the way that our world is going now, this nation and, um, just knowing that young women can tune into this podcast and just really hear truth because, um, Truth is not authoritative anymore. Um, it is whatever anyone makes it. And we know that God's word is authoritative. His scripture is inerrant. And you guys continue to um, plug into ladies' lives by doing this podcast. And so that, it just it just really refreshes my heart. And um, I'm thankful for um, the foundation of biblical ministry and that you love to mentor um, ladies through this podcast. So my next question is kind of starting to talk about women's hope and how you mentor women, how you train them through, um, you know, Dr. Colin, what you do at the masters and also through this podcast, um, how you come up with topics, how you disciple, um, how you teach women. So what is the biblical model for discipleship? Because I know a lot of ladies out there are at churches and, that may not even be in existence at their church. Um, that is kind of a, um, a long lost word, truthfully, if you um, think about the way that churches are today, so-called churches are today and how um, women's ministry is led. So what is the biblical model for women in discipleship? Sure, I, I think it's, it's an important one to think through. And I would point people back to uh, the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, because I believe that the model for biblical discipleship really flows out of that. Um, if you look at that passage, what you find in there is that Jesus really gives one command, and that is to, or one main command, and that is to make disciples. Um, so to be a disciple of Christ means that you're making disciples of Christ. Um, it's kind of neat this year for our women's Bible study. I'm in the book of Acts. We're studying that together. And as you read through the book of Acts, you really begin to understand very clearly that that scripture doesn't know anything of disciples who are not making disciples. That's that's really normal Christian living. So God's word considers it that way. And what you find is, is that after Jesus ascended into heaven, um, you know, like when you're in Acts 1, you see that it starts with the 12 that were in Jerusalem, and then it, it just kind of naturally flows into making disciples in Judea and Samaria. And then by the time Paul happens on the scene, you mm -hmm. see him um, sharing, making disciples in the remote parts of the earth. And so that's really our life today, I believe, as Christians. Um, as disciples of Christ, we ought to be sharing the truth of the gospel of, of um, Christ as God gives us opportunity. We should be praying for opportunities like that. But it doesn't end when we simply bear witness to the gospel by sharing the truth about Jesus. Um, Jesus actually tells us, gives us guidance in that passage. Um, and as you look at it around verse 19, um, when people respond to the gospel, we disciple them by encouraging, um, say, for example, believers' baptism. That that's something that's to be encouraged. We give them an opportunity to declare their faith in Christ. And uh, believers' baptism is that opportunity. All of us probably here have been baptized, and it gave us all an opportunity to declare, you know, that newfound faith in our life. And then we ought to be committed to uh, people to come alongside and to show them the word of God by teaching them, just as Jesus talks about in verse 20 there, um, teaching them all that I've commanded you. So I think that showing the word of God in that sense um, stretches into a lot of spheres. For example, when you come alongside a new believer, you have to disciple them into how to integrate into the local body. You know what wow. that even means. We take that for granted, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to, to teach that. Um, they need to understand the importance of not neglecting or forsaking the gathering together and to be like what they talk about in Acts 2, which is being devoted to hearing the pastors teach week in and week out. Um, it also happens as we just live life on life together. I think that's why Kim and I are so committed to discipleship, because I think we take for granted that sometimes, you know, as you're discipling women, sometimes you have to teach them what, why we even pray and how to pray. 
mm-hmm. um, how to study their Bible, what it means to grow in Christ, how to lead other people to Christ. And so those are just some really important things to think about. But primarily, I think discipleship should flow out of Jesus's model, which is reflected in the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. I teach that here at the college. I, I kind of start there because I think it's important. I think that's sort of the foundation before you kind of get into other things. So, well, it was like I said too, I think it was the last podcast episode. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. Yeah. And and sadly, I think some people take it more as a suggestion than a a command that is Mm -hmm. to be obeyed by God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is, um, yeah, I think that women do not understand the Great Commission as it pertains to um, being able to be taught by older women, Titus two women, and what that looks like as that flows um, from the from the Word of God and the instruction that we're given to, like you said, um, the commands, obey the commands, and you talked about how it's important that you know, once the believer comes to faith, you know, they have a baptism and how they're integrated in the church. And I don't think that people really do that. I think, you know, today it's, if you say you're a believer, you're saved, that's it, you know, and then we kind of fall away. There's no bringing them alongside or teaching them the truth. There's no women coming alongside and um, older that are more mature in the faith that are walking them through what it even means to look like to be part of the body of Christ. So I am I, I'm glad that you went into detail about that. Um, I think that that is um, extremely overlooked. Um, and so that's that's really important for you ladies out there that you understand what that means to be part of the Great Commission. And I encourage you to um, go back and listen to this episode, to all the wise things that these ladies have already told us so far. And, and I want to talk about how that informs the philosophy of your women's ministry then? How does that all play in together? Um, So what do you guys think about that? No, I mean, just kind of just to begin, you know, to say that you are a disciple of Christ is to say that you're committed, first and foremost, right, to follow Christ, um, just to follow his footsteps according to his word and to really do as he taught by the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. Um, the verse, the passage has had a lot of impact in my life is uh, Galatians 2.20, because it reminds me that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So as I kind of ponder that truth and really drink it in deeply, this becomes so clear as far as how that shapes my thinking that it's not about me, you know, it's about Christ. And so when we start talking about ministry philosophy or women's ministry philosophy, the first thing that I'm going to be thinking through is how might my women's ministry efforts point women to Christ? That's going to be really, really important. And that, that naturally will lead to the second thought that I had, which is any women's ministry that we come up with should be first and foremost grounded in God's word. And I mean, you yourself said it, you know, God's word is authoritative. And we have a, a wonderful passage in scripture that really points to that. Uh, second Timothy 3, 6, 15 to 16 reminds us that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness so that the man of God can be adequate and equipped for every good work. So God is the one that gives us direction for life and for his ministry. And it's important that we take our cues from him, not the world. Cause I do see that in ministry where they take a lot of cues from the world, but even as you consider the great commission um, it appears that, we who are called to follow Christ are commissioned by Christ to help others to follow Christ as well. So the direction on how to do that is going to flow from God's word, which informs and shapes our thinking. So as I consider, you know, discipleship or a women's ministry philosophy or even biblical counseling, I'm not really thinking about a special like man-made program I'm, I'm actually envisioning a women's ministry philosophy that's centered on Christ 
because he should be at the center of our lives. I mean, he really is the key to everything, right? And he's right. the only one that brings true hope and help that matters in the long term. But it's a ministry philosophy that puts him at the center, but it, it's also grounded um, in God's word, which is our su- supreme standard for what we should believe, how we ought to behave, and how we ought to conduct ministry in the local church. It's got to start there. I really believe that. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to have how to walk your dog ministry, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> There's not going to be any biblical support for it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you're so. going to have, you're going to have coffee talk and you're going to have, um, you know, not flowing from the pulpit. It's going to be whatever I decide to talk on based on my emotions, based on the latest trend, based on um, the latest thing that's going to bring people into the doors. It's not set on the word of God and, um, and scripture. And that's what we see today. Um, and sadly, in, in most women's ministries, um, there's not an accountability um, because there's not older women who have been training these younger women up. And like you said, it starts with the word of God. And, you know, the scripture where you said, I've been crucified with Christ, that is who you guys are. Um, and that is what your podcast is about, always glorifying the Lord and and making his word known. And I love that you said, um, to Everett, good works. You know, we're called to have good works. We're called to walk in those before time, that the ones that God's planned for us. And we can't do those. We can't spiritually walk in good works unless we're being taught by the word of God. That's where spiritual transformation comes from. It doesn't come from a program or, or like you said, these ministries that are fleeting and, um, and aren't addressed by God's truth. So I, I love that. It has to come from, from the start. It has to come from the word of God. And, and that, um, Kimberly, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Um, cause I was going to get into the next question, which is, um, a swing away from women's ministry being an extension of the pulpit. But I wanted to, to hear your thoughts too, if, if there was anything else you wanted to add to that. You know, we're, we're very like-minded in that we're on the same page. Uh, I think that's why we just love doing what we do. So I really don't have anything to add, but just um, you c- do keep me uh, bringing up uh, the idea of programs and things like that. And I will address that. Uh, a little bit more late later as we go on, because okay. that that's huge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we're all about ear tickling and you know the next great show. And yeah. we've got to get away from that and get back to the great commission. So thank yeah. you. For yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And thank you for, like you said, bringing back, getting back to the Great Commission. I mean, you hit it on the head with just saying that. And I know that that is your heart um, and the heart of your husband is he pastors as well. So I'm thankful that that is who you are and how you lead your ministry. So I'm excited about what you have to say later on about those topics. So do you guys see a swing away from women's ministry being an extension of the pulpit, meaning are you, what is the trend that you're seeing um, with women's ministries in regard to what we're talking about? You know, you have a lot of really good things to say about that, but I do want to give just a couple of illustrations because I have been at a couple of other churches, but I actually heard of a church before whose women's ministry was separate from uh, the church. They actually had their own checking account, mm-hmm. which even led to tax issues, right? I mean, there it was a whole heap of mess. <laughs> but so immediately what happened was a different level of accountability was lost. And we're going to get into that a little bit uh, down the road here. But yeah, so this is going to be, this is going to be a part of God's design for the church. It's not separate. Mm -hmm. It's not an accessory. It is to flow beautifully within all the workings of the body life. Mm -hmm. And um, you're going to address that. But yeah, we, I've got, I've got some humdingers, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, maybe another day. (laughs) She's so funny. She is funny. That's great. That's great. So um, what does the typical women's ministry, I mean, 
look like? Um, what do you, what do you see with um, the teachings, the causes, or agendas that that women are building these ministries around? What what are we seeing today? Sure. Um, so you must mean like in the negative sense, uh, what we're seeing today, what what the concerns out there. Um, I, I was thinking about the women's ministry that I was part of at my previous church years ago when I was just a young woman. And, you know, it was it was quite concerning because they actually were operating autonomously. Mm. And the elders just didn't have the kind of oversight um, like they should have. And so what the implications of that is that the women's ministry team was leading the women in the church, uh, from my perspective, into more of a worldliness and their teaching was really dangerous um, from as I reflect back. I think at the time I probably didn't recognize it as much, but you've got that kind of an implication. And that caused a lot of problems for the church. It really did um, for a variety of reasons. But I learned a few things as I kind of thought back on that. And one of them is that any women's ministry um, that is part of a church, it has to be under the leadership of the church. And so today, you know, the church I go to that that is exemplified very beautifully. Um, if you're part of women's ministries um, at Grace, um, you know, you can tell that the leaders of women's ministry just joyfully are committed to come under the leadership um, of the elders there and, and look to their guidance and leadership. I'm really thankful for that. And I mean, this might sound crazy, but even when I teach for them at Every Woman's Grace, I'm actually asked to turn in an outline um, and the elder that's over the ministry, um, he actually approves the message. And I, I know that might sound crazy, but I don't personally have a problem with that mm -hmm. because it's not really about me as much as it's about honoring the Lord. Um, and so, you know, I want to be making sure that I'm speaking the word accurately to the women there. Um, and those are those women, by the way, that I'm, teaching, ultimately, the elder that's over that ministry is shepherding. And so I want to be an extension of, you know, what he wants there. I don't want to lead anybody astray. And that kind of gives the elders an opportunity to um, just protect the flock in that way. And I even saw this at one of Kim's events, by the way, I just went to one of Kim's women's events, uh, they had a luncheon, and it was just a really sweet time. She had a gal get up and give her testimony, which was amazing. And of course we had fellowship and all of that. But towards the end of the event um, was her women's event. Um, her elder over women's ministry came out and did a devotional on koinonia. So it was just very clear that this guy was the elder over women's ministries. And he was so encouraging of the women. I mean, that's another benefit is... Mm -hmm. They come and they encourage the women. And he said several times how thankful he was for Kim and for the women that were leading there. Um, but, you know, either way, it just was just so obvious that there was leadership there. Um, but whatever it is, you know, it still has to be grounded in the word. And that would be um, an, a reflection of being grounded in the word is having that elder oversight. Yeah. I mean, it just it really it's just so helpful because I, I tell you, um, I'm thinking back on that women's ministry I was telling you about before. And it was like, who's leading the ship? And it's just drifting out to sea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so as you mentioned this, I can even think of a, a women's ministry where there were many guidelines, but the, the guideline of what that person who was leading that specific ministry, when I got there, it it did not even mention as a qualification their salvation or church membership. Oh, wow. So you, again, will have so many opportunities for troubles um, right. without those things. And that was the first thing that got corrected um, because I knew that this could lead to problems. And it, and it happened because it was a congregationally led church. Oh, so. Yeah. The congregation was voting in women to serve in women's ministry and voted in someone who was not a member, who had come from a church that uh, believed you could lose your salvation. Wow. 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 
That's amazing. So as you can see, just you think, oh, this isn't a big thing, right? Um, That we're accountable to our elders or, you know, this one little idea of who's ministering to who. Um, That could have created some problems. Right. And uh, but by God's grace and wisdom and and, and to a, a teachable women's ministry, they saw we needed to have some things in place f- to protect the flock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about protecting the flock. We want to be an extension of our elders. We're not running the show here. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so, you, you know, we, we talked about the negative um, and, and, and what is the positive? Um, you know, what what else can we um, can we focus on as a women's ministry and how important? Obviously, that kind of leads me into like how important is knowing the word? in women's ministry. So can you guys just talk about those things for a little bit? Sure. I mean, I can tell you, and I think Kim's women's ministry would be very much the same, but the women's ministry at my church exists really to encourage women to worship the Lord Jesus through the study and application of scripture. So that's going to be really important. And, but not only that, I mean, there's a goal there to deepen relationships, you know, the real koinonia that first John talks about with each other. And then from that provides opportunity for accountability. So that's the biblical standard, right? And so from there, all of the ministries that my church, and I think Kim would say the same, are a reflection of that. So, for example, we do have a women's Bible study. And, you know, like I said, they're studying through the books of Book of Acts together. You know, they want to be grounded in the word. And so they study that together. But they also have a Titus 2 ministry where women of the church, young and mature, meet informally. And they discuss biblical principles that promote godly living. Um, and so the hope is really to just help establish relationships there. And that's that Titus two model mm-hmm. where you're strengthening a person's walk with Christ, you know, the two women together. And then, you know, you get other ministries, um, that encourage other particular groups of women. We have an unequally yoked ministry. We have a, mm-hmm. a ministry for widows. Um, and so that, that's a lot different than maybe some of the other things that you see out there, like women who do watered down Bible studies. Um, I've even heard of uh, some churches that just don't have a women's ministry at all because they just don't think, you know, I guess that it's warranted um, or they they just have other views there. Um, but they're either, maybe out of fear. It could be out of fear. <laughs> uh, sometimes they have watered down Bible studies because they have a fear of women learning the word accurately. I'm not really sure where that comes from, um, but we're to, we're to learn the word just as well as, <laughs> as the guys at church, obviously. Um, or they might be too focused on programs and events, mm-hmm. things like that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I think um, I love, I love what our church has set up. I think that standard just helps us to plan our ways, but mm-hmm. it would probably be the same for you guys. huh? At your, you are the in charge of your women's ministry, aren't you? I, yeah, I'm part of a team. You're part of a team. Yeah, I'm, a team I am part of a team. I do uh, lead it. You know, it's always good when we have a leader, right? <laughs> so that mm-hmm. um, someone who can coordinate and things like that. And I have an amazing team. Our gifts really are spread out to all the different ministries just perfectly. And that's the body life, right? That's God's design. He gives the gifts and then we use them accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, at our church, it's, it is. And like you said, we just had um, a, a, a luncheon and uh, our elder did the devotion and I wanted our women to see him. I wanted him to be known as the one who is shepherding over um, the ministry of women. Mm-hmm. And it was complimentarian. We were, it's important. He, he was that. Yeah. I mean, he Long leads back. us, you know, he, when I write a Bible study for my women, it, after my husband has looked at it, it goes to Scott 
And Scott looks at it and he says, hey, have you thought about this here? What about this? This looks great. I can't wait. And he, then he prays for us all, so faithfully. So uh-huh. there's such a beauty in that as we work together as men and women um, in that biblical design of men as elders and them, them protecting us. It's it's phenomenal. I, I don't understand why so many people fight it. But again, it's a misunderstanding of the scriptures. Totally. Yeah. Um, and you talk about protecting, you have that protection with the elders, you know, over the women's ministry. And um, like you said, there are some women's ministries that are completely separate. There's no accountability. There's no shepherding. There's no oversight. Um, and that's really dangerous because we need that. That's complementarianism. We need to understand that, you know, we have men that are called to lead us, you know, and to be under underneath their authority and um, submit to that leadership as those elders of the church is really, really important. I think women need to understand that. Um, and, you know, without that protection, there are dangers and there are dangers of women choosing unbiblical books. And, you know, this is Bible study leaders like Beth Moore and Ginny Allen and Lisa Turkist and, and even doing um, books that aren't even by um, so-called Christian, you know, but calling them a Bible study. You know, I've heard of people reading Jen Hatmaker and, and Glendon Doyle. And, 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 and these women are, they don't hold the scripture. They are, you know, for LGBTQ. They are not saved, but these are the books that women choose to have as their Bible study materials for them to be taught on. And what just floors me is that you've got women who aren't even saved that have written these books, call themselves pastors, call themselves teachers, and then women are using their material, which is clearly unbiblical, to then tell people how to be biblical. It, it is just completely, I mean, completely backwards. You know, evil is good, good is evil. And, and that is what I see in people that I know and ladies that, um, you know, that I have even relationships with as I continue to, you know, try to put forth this podcast. And I, that's why I'm so thankful for you ladies because of your truth to mentor um, young women like myself and to get the word out of what the authoritative word of God is. So what are, you know, I, I, I got a little bit carried away with the dangers of it, but what are there other dangers that do you, do you ladies see when women choose books that are not um, Bible studies that are not, um, you know, Christ-centered? Well, it reminds me, because uh, you mentioned names, but I do remember one year at my previous church that there was a ladies Bible study that was reading one of the books of from one of the authors that you mentioned. And um, Martha Peace was our speaker for our ladies event that year. And she pulled me aside because she was looking at the women's ministry, things that, you know, different things that the ladies were studying. It must have been in the bulletin or something. And she pulled me aside and she says, do you know what this lady, that your, your ladies are reading this book. Do you know where, the, where this lady mm-hmm. is at in her doctrine? And mm-hmm. honestly, um, Brooke, I didn't even, I'd never heard of the woman. I wasn't in that Bible study. I had no idea because I think as a younger woman, I had assumed that any Bible study, any women's Bible study that was happening um, at that church was being filtered through. And it very, very, very well may have been, but I perhaps the elder didn't know the danger. Mm-hmm of that. And so I, I think now, as I reflect on that, the danger that, uh, that stems from that is being taught wrong doctrine. And in that particular book that they were studying, it was leading them astray in the doctrine of the Holy spirit, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you've got women being taught in just wrong doctrine and that's hugely dangerous. Um, and so what I did is I, went to my elder and I said, you may not be aware of this, but, you know, Martha Pease pulled me aside and said this, and you may want to check into it. So I was giving him an opportunity to lead through that. I think I was on the women's committee then as well. So I just went ahead and went straight to my elder and just said, you know, and then he just, he stopped it and gave them a reason. But that's my biggest concern because all of those names that you mentioned that it's, it's, it, it, there's just such a probably even um, implications in terms of what scripture teaches, you know, we're warned um, about over. leading people astray. I mean, Christ himself, over. 
doesn't he say you might as well tie a millstone around your neck? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the warning is just so clear. And, and so, yeah, it keeps Kim and I on our toes because we have to do a lot of reading to try to make people aware of just the very things that you said, actually. So, well, and it's funny that you say that because, you know, we were doing a little bit of reviewing uh, the, probably the first part of COVID of some books that we didn't agree with. And I could see my husband on pins and needles, making sure that I was, as I was working through this, that I was, that he was shepherding me to make sure that I wasn't led astray. He loves me enough to protect me, even though he knows I, I'm going to come out okay on at the at the end of the book on the right side. It you're you're studying it, you're reading it, and it it's harmful. Mm-hmm. And at any moment, I you know I could you know take on the doctrine of Eve. Did God really say? And so I have to constantly be guarding my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm so thankful for my husband's care for me when I was reading that one particular book um, and then also studying feminism. Right. That was hugely <laughs> helpful, actually. Yeah, yeah. But even though it was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> we saw it, the dangers. <laughs> we saw the dangers so clearly that, you know, you just you're on your knees thanking God for his protection. And a lot of those writers are so influenced by feminism. It's not even funny. So if you, if you're studying things like feminism and you start reading some of those books, you really see it for what it is. I mean, it's pretty clear. It's just crazy. Right. How do you know a fake dollar bill by knowing the real one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. So this is one that we're mentioning and it's peppered throughout everything we're saying, but she is someone who loves God's people. Mm-hmm. If she is a believer in Jesus Christ and loves God, then she will love God's people. Um, you can't dissect, separate the two, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not, it, scripture's clear. Yeah. Um, if you love God, you will love his people. Um, she is going to be so excited about, Uh, serving the women of God that he has entrusted to her. And she is going to be looking very practically for ways to love and bless them. It's just going to flow out of her. And you're going to see God's creativity floating, uh, coming out of her as she looks for ways to, to minister to the women of her church. Her leadership will shine through, through her service. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's not this idea of uh, someone sitting in an ivory tower, right? She is not afraid to scrub the commodes in her church. She's going to be serving. Um, and this is what Christ exemplifies. He, he came to serve and we are to serve. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me think when, as she's talking, I'm thinking of the women that serve on her team that I saw just this last Saturday. And they really do exemplify the things that Kimberly's talking about. It's just so evident in their life. But, you know, we should also be looking for uh, women that are faithful. She's got a proven faithfulness in whatever ministry she's been involved in. And that includes uh, the ministry of family. I mean, I'd love if if she's married and has children, I'd I'd love to see a faithfulness and a commitment to her husband Mm -hmm. and her family. But I think you had mentioned this before. Um, There should maybe be some giftedness there. It could be administration. It could be leadership uh, and overall acts of service. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking through whether or not that's really evident in someone's life. you know, I, I definitely, because we've been talking on this level, and I think this is important, no matter who you are interested in um, having on a mini, women's ministry leadership team, they should be vetted by your eldership. And I learned that lesson one time when, because elders often know more about what's going on in people's lives than even we do as women's right, ministry leaders. Right. And um, so it's it's important that they, um, you know, be the ones to finally vet them, if, if you will, um, and because they're ultimately setting them apart as a leader, I would say. And so they need to um, make that final decision and we shouldn't be making decisions autonomously. That, that would be my input there. If I, if I see a need within uh, our team to add someone, 
before I even talk to that person or the team, I'm going to talk to Scott. I'm going to talk to my elder um, and just say, hey, I want to run this by you. This is where I see her giftedness. And this is definitely a hole in our team as far as, you know, serving our body. How about so-and-so? You know, so it's so simple. That's just how we work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to wrap this up um, just at being encouraged by everything that you've said. How can a woman grow who wants to study his word? Um, what do you what do you have to say to those ladies out there to encourage them um, as they um, go to church, as they want to serve um, in the women's ministry or be a part? What's your greatest encouragement before we leave? Sure. So there's a few, but I would really say, um, please spend time in the word. Uh, make sure that you are in a church that has made the word of God a priority from the top down. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, um, actually study books of the Bible and not books about the Bible. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or that tip their hat to the Bible. Well, I want to thank the Women's Hope podcast. Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings for coming on the Open Hearts podcast for this episode and talking to us ladies about discipling and women's ministry. And um, what a great encouragement to all of our souls. I hope Open Hearts gals that you were encouraged to um, just follow God's word with women's leadership and ministry and what that looks like at a church. And so, um, You will get to hear more of them. Um, I know I cut this interview off a little bit short. We had some technical difficulties, but the amazing thing about this is that you will get to hear so much more of both of these ladies because they are joining me this July for the annual Open Hearts in a Closed World conference online. I started that last year and we had over 25,000 views and still counting, praise God, all glory to God alone, over 32 countries where women watched. And um, it was just so, so just, it just was a breath of fresh air to see these godly women teachers get up there and lead us in truth. And so we're doing it again. We're having another conference. It's annually and Kimberly and Dr. Cullen will be speaking to us Um during this conference. So you are going to be so excited. It's in July. I'll start putting out little bits of info for it, but just be ready in July for the Open Hearts in a Closed World Women's Online Conference. And this year, the theme is Reverence in Radical Times. So I am so glad you tuned in for this episode of this podcast that we got to um, just break down what it looks like to be a woman who's faithful to the word and what it looks like to um, be instructed through God's word, through mentoring, discipleship, and women's ministry. So I will see you open hearts, gals, next time. Love and hugs to you all. Bye for now. Love you guys. Bye.